What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome into long time coming episode of From Here It's Potable. The last time we recorded, we had a different basketball coach. So it's been a while, uh, but we wanted things to settle down a bit before we came back with some some analysis and some information. So I got a tech hoops guy, Hunter Davidson here to go over some questions from RedRaiderSports.com and uh, we'll tackle them. So here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, uh, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, uh, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. Um, They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Uh, whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts uh, can help find the best mortgage solution for you. Uh, they can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. Um, they have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process uh, online and it's easy um, and, and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. Um, they can be reached at Raider at primeres.com through the website uh, at www.lendingwithpassion.com or by phone at 214-736-9466. Uh, so get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right, Hunter. Long time. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. We just got off the me and Claire had a Zoom call with um, the new guy at the Athletic, who's covering Texas, uh, the Texas colleges uh, football teams, and well, that'll be up tomorrow with this, and it's definitely worth a watch. He's good. Go nice. Read his, yeah, his state of the program on Tech was extremely thorough, and he gave a shout out to you in the. Uh, in the oh. in, in the interview so checked all the boxes <laughs> um so let's see here so we got some questions so we'll just kind of go through here the first guy um double t 1923 wanted us to discuss the thick women thread which i'm pretty sure my mom listens to this so i'm not gonna do but if you have any thoughts i'll let you share and i'm all for it <laughs> Uh, let's see so chase allen 44 he says addition so far to the hoop squad maybe staff thoughts as well uh, we'll tackle that first so what do you think of the additions so far any stand out to you yeah um the, you know adonis arms and then davion warren are they're just interesting players to yeah. me uh, they're they're really similar they're to me, they're real similar. Um, you know, like they're both six six. They both um, have kind of leveled up, and you know, starting from either junior college, and then uh, you know, Arms played Division two, um, and then went to Winthrop, and now he's you know in the Big Twelve, and then uh, Warren went to a junior college, and then played a couple of years at Hampton, and so now he's in the Big Twelve. They were both in the same conference, and um, it's crazy how much these guys, you know, when, when they were on the floor, a shot was going up from them. Yeah. So like this is a percentage of shots taken. And this is in the big, this is in their conference, the big South. Um, Warren took the third, he was, you know, third most likely guy to shoot the ball if he's on the floor. And then arms was fifth. So that you know, two of the top five, um, you know, most used from an offensive standpoint guys in the league, uh, we get both of them um, like, and their numbers are so high. This is just no, like Jarrett core is really, or like an Andre Emmett, uh, really the only tech players and Keenan too, that, that, uh, that year that kind of compare to the, to the season they had just in terms of how much they were being used. And so when you look at their number, you know, they both turn the ball over a lot, which is goes with the, the high usage. Uh, yeah. The high usage guys, but they're, um, they're, they're they're creators, you know, they're like, it's kind of something we didn't have on last year's team. Like um, 
just they're one-on-one guys. They can go one-on-one. Um, they can they can play like I think best like spaced out. Uh, but they that are great passers and they you know create shots for for other people by by driving you know getting into the into the lane uh, much more and more so than arms. Um, and and I think. I think they both can shoot a little bit. Arms shot well, you know, yeah. percentage-wise. Uh, Warren didn't as much just on paper, but he took so many shots that's kind of expected. And he was taking all of their shots for Hampton. But the one thing for Warren that just really stands out is, uh, you know, how how often he was able to get to the rim and then and convert when he when he got there. Uh, yeah, he I, Kyler Edwards, you know, he plays four more games than Warren. He takes 40 shots at the rim and he makes 45% of them. Uh, and you know, Warren took a hundred more than Kyler in four less games. And he made almost 70% of them. I he, like, I like that. Yeah. He made more than PV and Kyler combined uh, wow. shots at the rim. Yeah. And again, you know, they, these two guys played four more games than he did. So that's intriguing to me, it's just, it's just going to be interesting to see what they, because it's just impossible for them to play the same way they did. Uh, I think, you know, for us, because you know, there's not enough basketballs on the court for them to both do what they were doing, especially if we have like a, you know, Mac McClung playing. Uh, and so maybe you know, that could be a, like a, a net positive, right. If they're not, if they're kind of reining it in some and not turning it over as much and they have yeah. other guys around them that can play. Um, that they won't feel the need to have to score every time. And then arms is just so strange with how little he played. Um, and I was looking at, uh, there was like four or five guys in the country that scored like 250 points and played 400 or less minutes. And he's one of them. And then one of the other guys was a guy at Auburn. who's like a, a lottery pick, but he got hurt. Right. And, um, another one was another guy at Winthrop. So, Winthrop must have had like 15 players that they played. So it's just, you know, I saw, and then, you know, with arms, I saw something where he was five, nine in his senior year in high school. And then he was like six, six, three after his freshman year and junior college and then six, six his sophomore year. So, you know, he must've been just kind of a, a late bloomer type, but they're big bodies. Um, and like, they just do everything. They like rebound, they defend, they pass, they can shoot, they can create that. They're the kind that, uh, you know, they can get the rebound and just like go with it. You know, you don't have to like outlet kind of like, like a so it'll be them two plus McCuller will be an interesting kind of group to, to, to see because they can, they're just interchangeable right. and seem, seem so similar. And then what do you uh, think about a uh, KJ Allen? I, it seems like it's been forever since yeah. that one. Yeah. He, you know, I like, I, yeah, I watched, uh, last chance you and just liked him, you know, as a player person, you know, listening to him, but, uh, I, you know, I, that's, he's kind of a quote, you know, question mark because he doesn't play for a year. And then I've seen some of the videos of him and he looks like, you know, he looks about 280 or something. And in some of these, like a pickup game I saw him playing in. Yeah. But, yeah I mean, he's got time to lose weight, but he's just a, a you know, a freak athlete like you're not supposed to be that big and explosive you know the mark vital kind of comparisons but he's even more like he's even bigger than vital and more bouncy yeah. than vital. and he's you know a better got a better shot i think than yeah. Vital. but yeah he that'll be a if he's I, i'm not expecting a, a whole lot from him and you know, hopefully i'm wrong yeah i think it might take a year um for him to but you know, the upside for him is, is pretty high. And, and, you know, USC wanted him, I think. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a situation where they um, asked him to, you know, they ran out of room or something. I think he might have had trouble uh, qualifying there. But they absolutely wished, you know, they could have got him. And then uh, Jacobs is just a – I've looked at, like, his you know, synergy profiles. And, I mean, he is a shooter. The guy has made a lot of jump shots like uh, unbelievable rate, you know, one of the best in the division two. Um, and, and then, you know, defensive player of the year and he's big, he's got, you know, he's about four or five, you know, I guess four year player, maybe even richer there. I'm not sure. 
Um, but just a, you know, 22, 23 year old type body. So I, yeah, I, I like all those pieces for sure. Do you, can you see if there's like, or like, do you think there is a, like a, a big difference in what Adams looks for in a player compared to beard? The, the only thing, and you study this way closer than I do. And the only thing I can, it just seems like we're looking at guys who can contribute on the offensive end and we'll teach them how to play defense instead of athletes who play defense that we're going to have to teach to play offense. It almost seems like that is flipped. No, I agree. And, and, and Beard said that has said that too. I think he stole that from Adams, you know, that line, like, you know, you take, you take the guy who can make jump shots and then you teach him how to get into a defensive stance. Yeah. But I, and I agree with what you're saying. I think originally we were, Beard was doing that. Um, and, and then once we kind of went parabolic and we started just getting high level recruits, you know, so maybe it just didn't, we weren't, you know, the plan changed maybe. Um, but no, I agree with what you're saying. But, and I also think um, Adams is, um, he, he, he looks like to me, you know, with the guys we're adding with maybe just the exception of um, KJ um, it's, it's just five guys who can like, be spaced out like they don't need ball screens and they don't need a whole bunch of a whole lot of like um, motion or, or actions to um, beat somebody and to, to, to run offense. It's just like guys that want to play in space and mm-hmm. you know, are better if, if they're surrounded by guys who are, who can play in space. Just so basketball like, players. Yeah. Like, but you know, like a five out type, a true, you know, spacing offense. <laughs> like yeah. joining the 21st century type. <laughs> It'll be a welcome sight in my eyes. Um, what do, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the the staff thoughts just because. Well, yes, yeah, you have something on, real quick. No, I mean the only thing on that, I think, pretty clearly, um, Peary is like a midwest, not Midwest, but you know, from the Rockies West. Yeah, you know, he's kind of got that lockdown. Like, yeah. And, we, it was, uh, you know, we, with the other two hires, we definitely wanted some East Coast type connect people who've been at least in that that part of the of the country and recruited. Uh, I think like Hester's kind of a deep South is where he's been, and yeah. then uh, Corey Williams is like all over. So you know, they, they all kind of it fits to me. You know. Yeah. No, I agree. Who, who are you looking at? And and we've, you know, our group texts are. Red Air Sports Group text is just like every day. It's just here's a guy Tech has reached out to. Here's a transfer guy. Here's a JUCO guy. It just seems like every day I can't keep up with all the names. And I know you you do a better job of that. So who's who's a guy you want to see of the remaining targets end up here? Maybe the most. Uh, Bryson Williams, the UTEP. He's like a he's not really a, a five, but I think he could play. He's just a, a big guy. He's a big more than that St. John's guy. I don't even know who St. Oh, no. Oh, Syracuse? Syracuse. Well, there was one guy you said was like Tariq Owens. Or, wait, no, no. Who was the guy you said was like um, Tariq Smith with basketball yes, skills? Yes, yes, yes. That's the Syracuse guy. I'm not. Okay. I'm kind of. No, he would be up there, but I think he's going to be a tough guy to get. Okay. I'm kind of um, factoring in likelihood of I gotcha. getting the I gotcha. guy to do. But, but even, even, you know, putting them side by side, I might go with the Will Bryson Williams because the Syracuse guy and his name's blanking me. He's not really a shooter. Like, okay, um, he's just a you know he's a like an athlete. He's like a he's Tyreek Smith with basketball skills. I mean, okay, yeah. Uh, and but the UTEP guy is a legit shooter. Okay. Eighty percent free throw, shoots threes. He's not like this real physical type um, big. But he, but he, you know, is like a shot blocker, and he's like six nine or something. But um, he's the perfect kind of like well, like I was saying, the playing in space type big. You yeah. know, um, somebody who you have to guard him. You know, he could just stand at you. We could play five guys standing around the uh, three point line, driving kick, drive kick, and you, you someone's gonna have. You can't just have their other team's big sitting in the paint because right. he can shoot. That that would be a guy if we get him we will be in uh, pretty good shape because it really doesn't matter who else we add, you know, if we get him. 
That's good to know. Um, let's see. We'll go to Matador96. said, do you think the trend of more transfers from the portal and less high school players in any given class is going to be the new normal? And I assume he's talking about football. Um, what do you What do you think about that? I think just – I think it'll be – I don't think we'll see more transfers than high school players. I, But I do think – it will be a more even split than maybe it even is now. Um, I don't think you'll see, you know, 50, 50 exactly, but I think you could, you know, you're going to get closer to that, um, you know, with each passing uh, cycle, unless, you know, you get a change of, of head coach who doesn't like that philosophy. Uh, but I think that's what everybody's doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it is, yeah, the new normal. And it, I think it could be close to a 50-50 split if you, when you consider um, junior college. You know, yeah, that's true. Five, five JUCO guys and then 10 high school guys, 10 transfers. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm on the extreme of this, and I understand that. Um, I'm fully on board with it. I've watched Tech football, you know, ever since TCU and Baylor, resurgence of Baylor, TCU joining the Big 12. I've looked at uh, all of our high school signees over the last 10 years. And it's just, I mean, we're never going to be any good sign it. You know, when we sign 15, 16, 17 high school kids, yeah, four of them end up playing in big 12 games. I mean, something needs to change. And it's like maybe our hands being forced with this, but like the status quo of every program signing 25 high school kids and, the SEC, <clears throat> these SEC teams coming and fighting it out with like UT and OU for the, you know, the best players in Dallas and Houston and um, like Oklahoma State signing guys that we may have gotten 15 years ago, TCU doing the same, Baylor doing the same. Right. I mean, it's, I think it's like kind of creating maybe, um, and, and this is some COVID effect too, but like more uncertainty, you know, with, um, not being able to see the, the high school guys. And yeah. uh, I think that's good for us because and then the, not being the, status quo, the status quo was bad for us. That's the only thing I know for a fact, you know, uh, we were not going to be effective uh, doing what we have been doing. And so, you know, with the, with the portal, you get a guy who he's transferring, so he can't transfer unless he wants to sit out. So you you know compare that to the high school kid who can just leave immediately with no repercussions when you sign him. Uh, the high school kid has never played Division One football. The transfer has you know you've watched him. If you're taking him, you're taking him for a reason. You know you think he can play, um, and it's just you know we we need to have players on defense who are 21 or 22 years old. You know we like you look back at our teams and the the only ones that we had our junior college players, you know, and, and like maybe J, uh, Jay Sean Johnson sprinkled in every now and then. Yeah. And it's like, we, we're just, we're never going to compete. It's going to be really hard for us to win games like that. And now you look at our team and we just, we're loaded with these like 22 year old guys. Yeah. They play college football. Yeah. Like I, I know they can play. Uh, so I, I think, but I, I do think, I, I wonder though, if, it might be smart, you know, at some point, if everybody's taking uh, transfers, there may be some, you know, there, you know, we could, it could create an edge for us and taking high school guys again. Yeah. I, I was, so, I was actually thinking that it's almost because the thing about when Leach was here, you know, our glory years or whatever, it was because his style of offense was at the cutting edge of what offensive football was. And that's why we were successful. And so it's and almost we were like, we we're also, you're also taking a lot more guys then because the yeah. role. Oh, well, well, what I'm saying is I think for a school like tech to be successful is you have to find your little Avenue of like, this is, this is how we get ahead. We can't get ahead right. the normal way. We, we need to find like a, a gimmick almost gimmick. And, makes, and gimmick I, makes I it sound like yeah. it's bad, but that's not yeah. what I mean. No. And, the, the way to I understand, I hear you. And I think a better way to say it is we just have, you know, every, this, every take, you know, you get 25, right. Every single one of them needs to create an edge for us an advantage yeah. for us. And when you, 
you know, when you take a high school guy and there's a 25% chance he's going to play, it's like, it's so difficult to create edges over other programs when they're getting a guy who maybe has a 35% chance of playing. Yeah. You have to hit a lot more than we, they do. Yeah. We just have to hit on these guys and we're not. So, um, you know, taking it, if we take 10 high school guys and six of them end up being good players for us, we're going to be in good shape because yeah. our other, we're, it's not like we're just not going to sign guys. You know, it's not like the other 15 scholarships are just going to go in our pocket. You know, we're, we're, we're going to add players who presumably our coaches think can help us win. And in, if the 10 that we allot to high school guys creates, if we hit on 60% of them, um, you know, we're, that's a good, that's, that's setting us up well. Um, yeah. And, and I think you're onto something too about, you know, tech needs to be on the forefront of this transfer thing. And I think they kind of have, and, and whether people like it or not, like, I think that's why the defense has looked better. You know, we get a guy like Shuck who could hopefully turn the offensive offense around. But I also think we need to be, like you said, if it does, if the advantage is now go back to taking high school guys, I think a school like tech needs, needs to be on the forefront of that as well. Whatever the new thing is, you almost have to yeah. be first in order to get the advantage. Yeah, I mean, you know, we this guy is Josiah Pierre. Um, he's like 250 pound. He can run, apparently. Linebacker. Played a, uh, a little, I think he redshirted and then played, uh, I don't know, I have it right here. I could probably look, but uh, maybe 100 snaps. Played special teams for Florida as a redshirt freshman. Uh, would you rather take him with three years or four years of eligibility? or take a flyer on a Braden Stringer. Right. It's like, to me, it's just, there's no comparison there. Yeah. I mean, 10 out of 10, let's take Josiah, let's take this guy. Yeah. Over the guy we would, you know, this high school guy we were probably reluctantly going to take late in this class because, you know, I'm, I'm talking about old times because, you know, Baylor and TCU and Oklahoma State and Texas have signed 20, to get 20 guys we wanted. Yeah, and I do think a lot of the consternation of all the complaining and everything about the all the transfers is just because Wells hasn't been successful. I think if, if we win six and then, you know, seven or eight games, six is first year, seven or eight the next year, I think we were looking at this like, man, that was a genius move, getting older, staying old. You know, yeah. I, I just think the results – and I don't think the transfers have necessarily been at fault for a lot of the results, but the results have spoken for the strategy. And then, then also, I think, uh, you know, we do say we win eight games and then, then, you know, the narrative will be, well, it was just like a flash in the pan, you know, yeah. all these guys are leaving. True. I have anybody type situation where it's like, okay, well, let's, let's Look back five years ago, we didn't have anybody because all our high school guys were busts. Right. <laughs> we're still in the same yeah. spot. So we'll go and we'll kind of reload and, and take more transfers. But the good good news is, is a lot of these guys, um, we're starting to kind of, you know, Pierre is an example. We're going to lose a lot of linebackers. And so that's why you take him. Right. And then, you know, at safety, we're going to lose a lot of guys. And then we just get a guy who started 13 games as a freshman at Wisconsin. Right. On a really good defense. So, um, yeah. And you can sell like, look, you can be successful as a transfer here and you just sell that year after year. Let's see. Um, Carnley needs logo help. So if you're a graphic designer, you can reach out to him. Uh, not really a question. Uh, let's see. Um, Robert Bast, 1252. He says <clears throat> new quarterback, top two wide receivers back. Tight ends are better. Running backs are solid. Cumby is at OC. Is our O-line the biggest concern for next year? Um, I still think it's quarterback, um, which I also think has the greatest um, or the highest ceiling. Like I, I think the quarterback could win you games, but it's still an unknown. I haven't seen Shuck in a tech uniform. I think – um, you know, the, the, the young guys, I, I mean, you, you haven't seen them, um, Columbia, we know what his, what he does. I'm not super excited about it. So 
I think O-line can be schemed around, which was my biggest issue with the offense last year is that we weren't. Um, and I think Cumbie can, um, but I, you can't scheme around average quarterback play. And so that that's still my biggest concern, even though I think it will be. Cool option. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you want the triple option so bad. No, I don't know. I'm just saying it, it is. Yeah. You, you technically could, right. You still need a guy to run it though. A good one. Yeah. But you, you, yeah, but you go get a cornerback. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But we're not. But yeah, so uh, I don't know about you. Zebby Lethridge. What? Zebby Lethridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I no, I, I understand what you're saying. It's the, that's an extreme offense. But an effective one, though. Say that again. It, it's an, it's an effective offense. No, yeah. I, I. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, you're you'd be better to answer this one because I, I don't. You know, I look at I try to bet on college football and the. offensive line to me is like it's just so hard to figure out like what to give them credit for what to blame them for and yeah you know they're a unit too so it's like yeah that's the thing it's it makes it weird like you know Bowman was literally never sacked yeah like did that mean we had a good offensive line no I don't think so no like did that mean that Bowman was like Peyton Manning just just this crazy ability to like get the ball out. And like, I don't think so. Yeah. Like, you know, we just were running a bunch of horizontal stuff because we didn't think we could block anybody. Yeah. But yet, you know, you read that athletic article and he, he was like hyping up all these stats about our offensive line. Right. From here. Uh, so I don't know. It's a good, good question. I mean, I like that we added uh, the guy that, you know, Stormant, from TCU and he apparently did enough to have AP writers or whoever vote him all conference. And we had, you know, we've got a couple guys that have played a lot of football, Deaton and Farrar, mm. you know, Berger too. Farrar uh, transferred, um, didn't he? I mean, you know, I meant Weston Wright. Yeah. Weston yeah. Wright. Deaton. Um, Card. I, I would not have offensive line big, biggest concern. I'm kind of, I'm worried about receiver. Nah. Receivers back. I mean, um, you know, we've got if Ezukama isn't playing, like we don't have a whole lot there. Now, you know, Mannix has done a lot, but not really in a tech uniform. Rigdon's done a lot, um, but he's just, you know, he's kind of a a uh, a slot guy who's you know probably most effective when he's got really good outside receivers standing next to him. And the, I don't, yeah. If I I'm, had- not, I'm not concerned about receiver. Um, I I just think that you that you have bodies and they are talented. They have to do it, but I just think you can put guys in good position. I mean, I think Bradley for a freshman is going to be good. Um, I think Price is awesome. Yeah, um, I love Miles Price. Yeah, I, I just think you have enough guys there that. I'm not worried about receiver, even if Izukama can't play. And I think he, I think he's going to, you know, unless he has a, a setback of some kind, but I'm not worried about receiver. I'm not worried about running back. I, I think you have, you have talented bodies at those positions, which is really all you need. They're, they're not to me, they're not premium positions. They're awesome to have, but you need to have a quarterback, which is why that will always be my number one concern. Unless you have a, a legitimate returner, which we don't, um, you know, we, yeah, quarterback. We we're this just reminds me. We were talking about creating an edge, you know, over other programs. Like, where can we gain an advantage? And it's the most frustrating thing of the last however many years has been that position. You know, it's. Um, I was listening to um, some guys who bet NFL, and you know that they. they put a lot of time into this and, you know, they have like Yale PhDs and think that, you know, like 60% basically of an NFL offense is just comes down to the quarterback. You know, I don't know what that translates to college. It's probably maybe more, maybe, or even if it's less, it's still a lot. And for tech, Texas, you know, we have had kind of this tradition. We, we have uh, of all the positions on the football field, quarterback is an area where we really can kind of compete for, for guys. and we just 
have swung and missed unbelievable amount yes. at that spot with other programs doing it too at the same time. But that just is like, that's how you, you know, we could have created an edge there if yeah. we're hitting, they're not. And it's like the one spot that matters the most is just so happens to be a spot where we can go win battles for guys and it just hadn't panned out. And now luckily we get, <laughs> it's like unbelievable. You just like wake up from this dream and we have a guy who has the potential to be, you know, a, a really high draft pick in a, in a couple of years at yeah. quarterback somehow. So that's, you know, <laughs> pretty fortunate to have, to have shucks. No, yeah, there, there's no doubt. And, and if, if he's a ceiling raiser, like I think he is, it's what, what is that saying? Like a rising tide raises all boats or whatever. I think yeah. that's, that's what a quarterback is. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched I, I, just the other, just this week, I watched the Stanford, I watched him play Stanford and uh, he, I think it was one of his first games. And so that, you know, at, through six games, I want to say, yeah, through, through maybe like the first five or six games when he was starting, um, he was, he literally led the Pac-12 in every category imaginable. Yeah. Right. And even, uh, and then he played uh, in one of the most bizarre conditions against Oregon State. Like it was a, you couldn't it's see crazy. Your, yeah. The fog was just unbelievable. Yeah. And I don't know. It was a super low scoring game. And he threw a bunch of interceptions and, uh, and then he played Cal and they had a, they've been playing pretty good defense. Yeah. I don't, I don't you know, I'm not sure what happened. He didn't play very well in that game. And then, you know, he starts in the uh, conference championship and then a Fiesta Bowl. Um, but I guess, you know, he produced when he played other than a couple, you know, two games, which is his first year starting. They had five new offensive linemen. They had, you know, they didn't play non-conference games. It's just a really strange kind of season to um, – for or you know, like Oregon fans, I think will be like, well, he 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 wasn't any good. Um, it's a really kind of a an odd season to to for for Oregon to just be so ready to move on from him, seemingly. Yeah, I've thought that this whole time. I think it's weird because so, he when I, I watched, so he um, he missed a lot of throws. You know, I'm not a quarterback scout, um, but it seemed to me like he missed some throws, but he, he was, like threw a really good deep ball. But he is athletic. Yes, and he might. He was kind of wanting to run a little too much, and I think yeah. I said this might have been literally his first start. Um, but I'm telling you, he can really run, and he's big. I mean, he he straight line is as as fat will be as fast as pretty much anybody. Yeah, yeah. and that's something that surprised me when I watched is he can make some plays with his feet and did. And, um, and I think and Cumby is a really good match, you know, kind of maybe some luck on our part, um, getting Cumbie and then having this quarterback fall in our hands because he Cumbie's, I think, um, not afraid at all to have an offense that's based on a running quarterback and really use them. Like he was running this like speed option and stuff at Oregon. Like, yeah. And looked like he, I already said it, Zebby Lethridge, you know, he kind of looked like he knew what he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, Cumby was running that power read that killed us uh, in the game last year with Duggan, and I mean, I, th- I think Shuck can do everything that Duggan does. Uh, yeah. the The problem is, is you have to walk that line of who's behind Shuck. <laughs> can we risk? Oh, no. You know, yeah. can we risk a couple of missing a couple of games because I ran him and we didn't? Miss? I mean, it's the whole. It goes back to to Bowman's freshman year. I I got so mad when we ran that quarterback stretch on the goal line against Oklahoma that hurt Bowman the second time, just because it was totally unnecessary. I hated it. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't want to. Although do I, I think we calculated risks. I, the one you're talking about. Yeah, that was dumb. But um, I think we're in a position where it makes sense to have an offense based around a running quarterback and just say, yeah, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. But yeah. we're, we're trying to win, trying to win no. seven games. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and I just pulled up the receiver just because I was interested. If Izukama is limited, you've got Fungi, uh, JJ Sparkman, Trey Cleveland, and Bradley on the outside. And those are talented. They played, they played like 100 snaps. Totally. I know, but I just don't care about that with receivers. And 
I, I, and then the next, the question, the guy who was uh, Robert Bass asked was, um, did anyone move up the depth chart in the spring and looking at the, the roster reminded me is that Nehemiah, Nehemiah Martinez from Lubbock Cooper. He, I mean, he's going to get reps at receiver, uh, returning kicks, returning punts. I mean, I know that they were impressed with him. Um, uh, Bradley, the freshman, only 17. Uh, he's going to get, he's earned snaps. He's a uh, monster. And uh, yes. And then on defense, uh, Marquise waters is the guy that everybody keeps talking about. He was a transfer who I think in that athletic article, they said, that, and I've heard Will say this too, they, they think he's like all Big 12 caliber guy. Uh, I believe it. So, yeah, he looks real good. So those are, those are a few guys to watch. Let's see. Uh, Whitlock Safety asked, um, how many high school prospects do you expect Big 12 football programs to sign on average? And he asked, you know, 20, 2022, 23, 24, and I wonder if he's asking it, if you, if you, you think it's just going to go down the, the number of high school transferred tra- or high school prospects signed as we move through the next couple of years. It's going to be, int- I don't know. It's a be interesting to see because um, I mean, those guys are going to go somewhere, right? I mean, if, um, if every program is signing 10 less or just say on average, maybe it's seven, uh, like tech is 10 and maybe other programs might be at five and kind of come, you know, seven less high school guys per team. I mean, I don't know where they're going. And I do, I do wonder if there'll be, you know, some coaches who will be in a position to kind of uh, take advantage of that and not have to worry about, you know, getting fired if they don't uh, have uh, 22 year olds, on playing defense, you know, if yeah. they, you know, are comfortable kind of taking on some of these guys, it's like, okay, this is a guy we never could have got before, but because no one's taking high school guys, here he is. And, uh, you know, take and, and kind of taking the risk on him. Um, I, so I, I don't know. I think you could see some do that, but, you know, like look at Gary Patterson and I mean, he, he's taken a lot of transfers. Um, Texas is taking a ton. Um, yeah. It'll be, uh, it, it's really interesting to see. I don't know if it's like, well, because now it's like, what other effects will there be like more JUCO guys now because that you take? Because then some of these guys that otherwise would go D1 will play for a junior college and then they'll be good, you know, they're hits. And now you're taking them out of a junior college instead of two years earlier. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've wondered is, is where do these borderline high school guys go who would have gotten signed on somewhere as like, you know, the last couple spots. And yet now those are for transfers. It'll And it'll you raise a good point right there. Cause this is something when, when in the transfer versus high school debate that tech fans rage about, I think the, the one thing that gets lost on everybody is you're talking about the last few guys of our class. Yeah. We're not talking about, you know, as a comma, we're not talking about the, the guys you take that are no-brainers, the Jack Andersons. We're talking about the very, very last guys of the class. Yeah. And, and so, I, to me, when, when people are, like, weighing the pros and cons, that's something that, they, that just flies over everybody's heads. Yeah. It's like these surefire high school guys that everyone would take that we're passing on. It's, it's guys we are, question, we, we are questioning. It's like, eh, those are the guys we're not taking. That's a good point. Um, let's see. Zyler Buchanan asked, projected preseason Kim Palm rank? That's a you question. No, this is a, I thought it was a great question. Then he said an over-under at 29 and a half. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Where I thought we would finish, which I thought was a, a good number. Um, I, would, I think uh, preseason, I'll predict 35 or so. But, I mean, a couple things go our way, you know. It could be much lower, like Shannon and McClung come back. It's going to be much, much lower. Um, and then I really had trouble with uh, what I would – if I'd go – I think I would go over 29 and a half, but I wouldn't feel good about it because Mark Adams is a Kim Palm subscriber. I mean, I've heard him talk about it. I've heard him brag about creating the greatest Kim Palm defense of all time. Uh, he's got in his contract – 
bonuses that are tied to where we finish in Kimpong. Uh, I think he has read, um, you know, the basketball math book where, you know, which is what Kim Palm's based on, where you, you know, get more offensive rebounds, you turn it over less, you get to the free throw line um, to, to win games. And that's how you score well in Kim Palm. And I think that's what he plans on trying to accomplish. Um, so I, I wouldn't put it past Mark Adams to put together a team that finishes in the top 30 in Kim Palm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really might go under on that. That's a solid line from Zyler, 29 and a half. I think it's pretty spot on. Yeah. Let's see. Two Texans. He has a couple questions for me. First one, what, if anything, did we learn in spring practice about this football team? A um, couple things. Um, I think we learned that we do, we do have some quality um, back, I don't want to say backups, just quality depth at a lot of positions that we haven't in the always had. I think you have some bodies at D line for the first time in a while. You obviously have guys at linebacker, and now I think you have guys in the secondary with the Dunlap, Waters, additions. Um, the most recent one, Fields. Guy, huh? Fields, yes, Fields, the guy from Wisconsin. Uh, I, I just think you have. And that's what you need on defense in college football. Now you just need quality depth. That's been our problem is we have, I mean, some years we haven't even had a good 11, but we've had good 11s the past couple of years. And then guys get hurt, guys get tired in the game, stuff happens and you just, you just lose it. And I think that you, you have guys this year who can come in and, and take snaps without, you know, everything falling apart. Um, I also think that we learned that we might have a guy, at quarterback in Shuck, um, uh, and that's just going to make everything better. Um, and I also think that um, we learned that some of those young receivers can play. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. And I'll, one last thing I want to mention is I, I, I think that we learned that the offensive line as a unit is going to be okay. Uh, where, all, where all of it fits and where those guys land specifically, I, don't, I, don't, I think that's up in the air, but I think as a unit they're going to be okay. Um, and then the next question, what is the biggest improvement the football team will make over the summer? That's a good one. Um, I think Shuck just cre creating some um, chemistry with, with the offense and just getting the offense down. Like I said, I think if he is the dude, we're in a good spot. Um, and then for both of us, what does it take for Tech's high school football recruiting to take off and be competitive this year? I mean, I kind of feel like a lot of this discussion has been that it doesn't matter, the high school, you know, necessarily. Um, but I think that you're just going to have to win football games. I think that's how you're going to – I think it's just a – it's a circle. Uh, and, and get them on campus too, right? I mean – Yeah, getting them on campus and then winning football games. And it's just a cycle. You win, you recruit better. Then you win more if you lose. When you're on, when they're on campus and a win, that's probably good. Yes, yeah, that would be ideal. But I, I just think it's wins, and so people can't negatively recruit you. Um, besides commits, what would you like to see the next sixty days that would make you feel better about high school recruiting? And I, I think you just hit it. Let's get some guys on campus. That's always worked for us. I think it's still we just that that's the thing that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last time we had guys on campus, I was there and I saw them. It was the Kansas game. We lost 2020 at home basketball. Yeah. And uh, it was just an insane you know, environment. And they were right. to, to my right. And I think like we like signed pretty much every one of them that were yeah. there. Yeah, you're right. Um, how much will Wells have to say on the offense this year? Does Cumbie have free reign? Yes, he does. It's his. Um we, I think Wells is too too busy tinkering with special teams to even care <laughs> what Cumbie's doing. Uh, damn you! Um, uh, yes, and I, and like I said, we talked to the uh, we talked to the athletic guy who wrote the story and who interviewed him, and and that's what he heard from other coaches as well as the tech staff that that offense is Cumbie's, and obviously Wells will have some overarching ideas, but it's Cumbie's to run. Um, how effective will the tight end or how, yeah, how effective will the tight end be utilized? Why, I mean, I spent some time watching TCU in 2019 
because there are questions about whether who was calling the plays in 2020 for TCU. Um, but the it'll Cumbie uses his tight ends less than Yost did, but more effectively. Like he actually uses them. He uses them in different ways. He lines them up all over the field. He'll use two. He'll use three. He'll use one. He'll use none. Um, but he uses them in a way like when they're out there, they're out there for a purpose. And so uh, I just think you'll see them used in all kinds of different ways. And you have guys, I think you have guys that fit this system better than they fit Yost system. I don't know if you have anything on that. No, no. Um, just it would be cool. Yeah. Be nice to have tight ends that are affecting football games. Yeah. Just if you look at the, the guys that TCU used well, it's more athletic um, guys in space not necessarily. And if you look at the guys who were successful at Utah state with Yost, it was like blockers who could catch. And here we have guys who can catch who might also be able to block. And I think that that subtle difference is something that Cumbie will be able to take advantage of. And then uh, what made the 2020 defense any more effective than 2019? Um, if it was, and I think it absolutely was. I think you lose, a, you may not win a game last year if it wasn't better and then what reasons are there for improvement in 2021 for a step back um i kind of touched on it early for improvement on defense i think you have more depth at positions that matter i think you um you know you, you even have a guy like nelson and banasor who can play end and tackle and uh can do both effectively he was out all last year you know and hopefully he's back you have a guy like tyree wilson a whole year in strength and conditioning a whole year in the system, he's going to be a monster. Um, and so I just think you have, you didn't lose anything except the one thing for a step back might be losing McPherson. You know, he really just, he, he made plays like a DB that we haven't had very many of. And so I think if there's going to be a step back, it might be because you lose a guy with a nose for the ball like McPherson. But if I were to put money on it, I think we'll see, it, an improved defense overall. Yeah. Um, I could go on a rant about our defense and um, I don't know why this just really triggers me. The football fans obsession with yards allowed points, points allowed. Yes. Using that as a standard, you know, like it should be yards per play. If you went and bowled a 200 and then I went and bowled, 20, 20 frames and a 210. Like, no one would be saying, I'm a better bowler than you. No. But, but for some reason in football, the number of possessions in a game is just irrelevant to any discussion. It's the number one driver of yards and points. It's possessions. Like, yeah. Period. And, you know, like, I don't understand, given what you were talking about earlier, how we've had. 10 or 15 defensive players and why it doesn't matter who the coach has been the last however many years, we've just been hell bent on playing the fastest paced games in, in the country. And, you know, it's just did not seem like a good formula for a defense that was at a disadvantage and then didn't have as many players. And so from, you know, last year, there's two things a defense has very little control over, like where the offense starts and then, how many times they have to stop the other team. Like yeah. Maybe some control over possessions, like if they're playing conservative and, you know, um, not being aggressive. And But that's mainly, the, you know, they don't have a whole lot of control there. And, um, you know, our, our defense last year in pace was faced the seventh most possessions in the country, like from a per game standpoint. And, and like, to normalize our defense to an average defense, you would have to cut the yards allowed and points allowed by a third because we faced 33% more possessions than the average team. We also, field position-wise, was 112 out of 126. That's the big thing for our, me. Our defense was in the worst position relative to most teams, and they faced more possessions than the other teams. You know, Texas had 17 drives against us. Yep. So, and I, and Kansas State plays them and has they have 10, you know. And how, how do you compare those two performances when they have seven more opportunities to score and they're 20 yards further down the field on all of them? I mean, 
So our, our defense last year was actually not that bad. I know as crazy as that sounds, it wasn't good. I mean, it was like 60th in the country, which is for tech pretty dang good. And I think so, it would have been better if your offense had helped some. I think complimentary football would have been a big deal, but they literally had to do all the heavy lifting in most of the games. And so I, that, that may not be backed up by stats. That's just what my eye said. Oh no, we lost Hunter. Um, he got mad at my point about not being backed up by stats, I guess. Um, but I'll move on to the next question. Um, if he comes back, great. Um, if not, then sorry I made him mad. Let's see. Um, last question. So that kind of works out. Uh, how can a fan judge a team's culture and locker room? And what can we see that the people on the message board might not? Um, and I, this might be hard for me to answer just being a former coach. Um, but when you're looking at culture, it's, it's stuff that a lot of it's the cliche stuff that, uh, that we talk about, like our guys. In, oh, wait, here's Hunter. Let's see. Hunter, are you there? Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you're good. I thought, I thought you got mad because I said something wasn't backed up by stats and then left. Um, no, no, I didn't, I didn't make it that far. I heard, but yeah, I, I think I hopefully I got what I was trying to say across that our, our, you know, our defense was put in terrible positions. They were put in those positions 33% more of the time than the other, other teams. And you know, the results just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how good, you know, uh, look, look 10 years ago and, and look at how many yards a game and points a game Alabama was allowing. And then Alabama decided to play modern day college football. Yeah. And, and now suddenly they're not, their defense doesn't lead the country in yards allowed or points allowed. They give up a lot of yards and they give up a lot of points because they're playing more possessions. It's like their defense isn't any worse. They still have the same NFL players right. every year. It's just, it's just that that's what happens, you know, yeah. uh, it, LSU, the same thing happens to them to the same extent. Um, it's just a, a product of uh, the way the game is played. And tech has been on such an extreme of that. Plus we've had bad defenses. So it just like, it, it, it really makes things look terrible. Uh, so, um, but the thing is, you know, you're talking about Cumbie yeah, plays, zero tight ends, one, two, three, um, you know, to do that, you can't go very fast. And it sounds like I, that, that to me, I think I am so optimistic about our defense because number one, even if they're the exact same as they've always been, if, if Cumbie does what I think he's going to do, they're going to look so much better on paper because we're just going to be playing less possessions per game. Yeah. But I also, I also think they're going to be better too. And, and, Hopefully we figure out whatever was going on field position, special teams wise, to, that was just so bad. So that, bad. So, you know, surely that can't be as bad as it was, you know, so there might be some positive effect there for the defense. Um, you know, uh, that I'm, I, it's, I, I really think it's like the strength of our team. I think it's something that you'll hear other coaches talk about a lot. You know, but when they're, when they're about to play us, like, uh, oh, you know, when did Tech get all these guys on defense? <laughs> and and I think there there may even be kind of a narrative attached to it, just from the fact that you know if we'll be maybe playing five possessions less per game. Yeah, no, that, that's true. I think that's a good point you make about Alabama is they have all the same guys, and yet if you were to look at just the basic stats of their defense, it would look worse, and yet it's not. If anything, it's better. Exactly. Um, it is better. It, yeah. Um, so I, when you cut out, I started answering this last question. It was just how can a fan judge a team's culture or locker room? Um, and I was just saying it, it might be a little hard for me to, to judge since I'm a coach or former coach. And so I'm, I'm, I just look for different stuff. But I was saying a lot of this stuff is kind of cliche. Like, are the, are the guys on the sideline into what's going on? Do they look like they're happy when another guy succeeds? Um, you know, are they, are they trying to motivate the team when things are going the wrong way? And, and I think a, a lot of the culture you can see is if things start going poorly, 
what's the response? Is the response, oh, here we go again? Or is the response, let's, we're stop. we're putting it into this now and we're gonna try, you know, to, to, to turn this back around um, to going our way. And, and sometimes that doesn't work. And so then it's hard to judge. Is the culture bad? Did we call bad plays? Did we run bad plays? Did someone not perform how we were supposed to? And so I don't think you can always look at results when talking about culture. Um, but I, I think a lot of it is, is eye test, you know? Um, and, I, and I think you can see it, you know, do, do, does, it, does it look like these guys genuinely enjoy being around each other? Um, you know, on the field, off the field. Um, it's just stuff that's really hard to quantify. Um, you know, a lot of times it'll be like, oh, when, when they're winning, man, that locker room's a great place. The culture is really good, you know, and when you're losing, it's bad. And so it, it, it's a lot more than that, but it's stuff that unless you're, you're really involved and into it, you really just can't see. Um, but I think a lot, of, a lot of it has to come down to just leadership. Are the best players on the team the leaders? You know, are they the hardest workers? Um, because if they are, that's what makes a good team great. And what, you know, that's what makes an average team good. Um, and, and that's just stuff that's, that's impossible for us to know a lot of times. Yeah, you'd be much, you know, in a much better position to talk about it because I'm, um, I'm almost, I'm, I'd be more inclined to say that's like it's overrated or <laughs> it's kind of a, a myth or something because you know what's a coach gonna say, uh, like, you know, come on guys, it doesn't really matter if we all like each other, you know, like right. it's just it, like you know if we can, if we're converting fifty percent of our third and sevens, we're, we're gonna win. Like you know they're not <laughs> they're not gonna say that. Of course, you know of course they're gonna promote this idea and and. Uh, you know, and it's like what other, and to some extent, it's like, well, like, what do they do? It, uh, if you're like a head coach, you're not like Wells, right? Or, you know, like Cumbie's calling the show on the offense and Patterson on the defense. Like, um, it's something for him to hype up. And, and because that's something that, you know, he can kind of uh, attach to success as something that he's, you know, contributed to. But I, I, I do know, I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? To, yeah. to have it. I, I couldn't spot it because like for you know you hear all this stuff about our basketball team and I've seen people say like I saw things with Kyler or I saw things with Mac and I mean I feel like I watched a lot of our games and I never noticed anything <laughs> I mean I, I just I, I wouldn't have yeah I wouldn't have guessed that there was you know so much um you know tumultuous things going on now it looked to me like Beard was like on it like about to lose his you know, blow a gasket every five seconds, Yes. you know, but, but the players to me seem to be, um, you know, locked in and not really affected by beards flailing around on the court during, during the game and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it might be easier to spot with basketball just because there's not as many guys. You can see the bench easier. Um, but I think it really just comes down to it's less about the coaches and it's more just, who are the leaders on the team and are they effective? And, and a lot of times is, are your best players, your, your leaders. Um, and I think that goes a long way, but that's something. Would, would, would you say it's more important in high school, lower levels? I would, I would want to say yes, because, you know, NFL, I mean, the, you know, they're doing that for a living. I mean, yeah. NFL it doesn't matter different. what the culture is. Those guys are going college. Yeah. There's a, there's a million cameras. Every one of their plays is graded, you know, individually. I mean, is somebody going to really take a play off just because like some teammate isn't giving them a pat on the butt or, or, or something, but in yeah. high school, I could see, you know, guys kind of shutting down or, or quitting or if they're not like, you know, really connected, but yeah. that's just me kind of. No, I think there's something to that. I definitely think it might be more of a thing and more important, the lower levels, but I do think it's important in college. And one thing I meant to point out is a lot of it in college comes from your strength and conditioning coach. That's why those guys get paid so much is they are almost, and you can talk to Saban, Urban Meyer, all those guys, like their, their strength and conditioning coach sets the culture. And so I think a lot of it comes from that once you get to college, um, which is different than high school. But you're right. Once you get to the NFL where, you know, you get paid and again, even you're on tape, your next job is coming from the tape you, you put out. Um, I think there's some, there's some room for some motivation for some leaders. And I still think that's important, but I, I agree. The more you're getting paid, the less important it probably is. 
Um, yeah, that's what I would think too. But um, but yeah, yeah. No, I, the the one I can't. Our schedule, you know, I, this is this one thing about our tech football team um, that just really stands out, and it's like this concept of, uh, you know, if you played, uh, you know, ten games, and you have a fifty percent chance of winning all ten, you know, uh, your range of outcomes there like really wide. Uh, it's just like it wouldn't be unheard of to go two and eight. Wouldn't be crazy to go nine and one. And um, the way that tech schedule is with UT and OU stacked as a home or an away, uh, the, the odd years tend to kind of go this way where, you know, um, those two games are very difficult to win, but the other games we play are really trend towards being a coin flip right. because, you know, instead of having UT and OU at home, which is like a 30%, you know, we're looking at like a 30% chance of winning. And then you're playing at Iowa State and at TCU and at Oklahoma State, which are 30% and, and t- 10, you know, typically for us. And, um, but for these years, and you just look at it, like in the eight years since we've moved to this kind of schedule, uh, we've had, I think, four odd years and we've had winning and we've won six or six or more games and three of them. The one we didn't, you know, was butt fumble, Baylor, lateral circus Kansas yeah pretty close to being another six win and then the four even years we lost seven or more games and I think uh, to a team that's kind of average like tech uh, or or slightly below average the you know ours we've got a much better chance of winning seven games in these odd years and then you combine that with not playing a power five team in the non-conference, which, you know, we had to get like a waiver from the big 12 for that. And then like, you know, like in a, in a, coming up in a couple of years, we'll play Oregon and U of H in non-conference and we'll play at OU and UT and we'll play at TCU. I mean, so you look at that schedule versus this one and you look at how many guys we have, how experienced we have, you know, we have like these 10 super or 11 super seniors, um, we've got a quarterback for the first time that other teams would want and potentially would rather have than their guy. Um, it's like, I don't know how anyone could not be, you know, relative to our expectations, it could not be optimistic about this season. And that's, but that's just me. Yeah. I said it, it's kind of, this might even, uh, this kind of sounds pessimistic, but like, you know, if, if we don't win six or seven games, this year uh i'm not i don't know i don't know when it's gonna happen that yeah that's a good point slightly worrisome because i don't i don't like all that pressure on the tech football program but i do think that's a good point and i never thought of it that way like i usually like having texas and ou at home but you're right that makes the the games that we could win harder so that I, that's an interesting point, and I think you're right about that. Like we might as well just we might as well just put those games that are hardest to win, just make them harder to win, and make the games that we could win easier to win. If we were really good, uh, it would be I think flipped. You know, like you would want our best team to be in an even year, right? Because because yeah, you know, you're trying to win both of them then, right? Yeah. But. Yeah, we're so far away from that, from being in that uh, position. To so like when we're, yeah, it, it does set up the the odd year set up better for us when we're average to below average, and especially with the non conference that we play. Yeah, it's uh, you know we, we I think so. When's the last time we won a lot of games? Two thousand nine, where we win like seven or eight games. We yeah. lost. We lost a. This just shows like our schedule then compared to what we'll be facing coming up. We lost to U of H that year and we lost as a 30 point favorite at home. You know, like Kansas state was terrible. Kansas was terrible. We played three other non-conference games that were, that they weren't any good. Um, you know, those days are gone. I mean, we, we are now in a situation where um, every game is just a, a, a coin flip at best. And so this is a year where we got, it's it's the best coin flip situation that that I could think of for us. Thirty point favorite at home. That is 
that's it. That, it feels like it's been a while since we've been, I guess HBU this past year was probably close to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that, that's definitely something to think about. Maybe we can dive into that a little bit more when we got less to talk about over the summer or something, but um, man, that was good stuff. I appreciate it. Yep. Uh, we will be back probably next week. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, maybe we'll get some basketball news or some football news or something, or, or we'll figure something else to talk about, but uh, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see y'all later.